Well, we're continuing along with Ezekiel, and so uh, hopefully it'll be out there, Ezekiel chapter 12, and Paul has chosen the first 16 verses. So I'll read the first 16 verses of Ezekiel chapter 12. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, who have ears to see, but see not, who have ears to hear, but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself an exile's baggage and go into exile by day in their sight. You shall go like an exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. You shall bring out more baggage by day in their sight as baggage for exile. Then you shall go out yourself at evening in their sight, as those who do, as those do who must go into exile. In their sight, dig through the wall and bring your baggage out through it. In their sight, you shall lift the baggage upon your shoulder and carry it out at dusk. You shall cover your face that you may not see the land, for I have made you a sign for the house of Israel. And I did. As I was commanded, I brought out my baggage by day as baggage for exile, and in the evening I dug through the wall with my own hands. I brought out my baggage at dusk, carrying it on my shoulder in their sight. In the morning the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, This oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am a sign for you as I have done, so it shall be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity, and the prince who is among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder at dusk, and shall go out. They shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face, that he may not see the land with his eyes. And I will spread my net over him, and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it, and he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all who are around him, his helpers and all his troops, and I will unsheath the sword after them. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I disperse them among the nations and scatter them among the countries. But I will let a few of them escape from the sword from famine and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go. They may know that I am the Lord. Interesting, and I thought, well, that might be entertaining. 
there was this horror preview. And it was so horrible, I thought, why, why would anybody ever want to go see? Why would anybody ever want to subject themselves to such a thing? And, um, but as I looked at Ezekiel, I, I, um, I thought, well, this is what this is. This is a horror preview that he is called to enact. And so as we go through the text, I think we'll, we'll see, see why. One of the uh, peculiarities of Ezekiel is his constant, his constant use of dramatic effects. I mean, the, the most notable one is uh, 390 days on one side to represent the, the uh, 390 years of exile of uh, northern uh, Israel, uh, Israel uh, judged since their judgment by the Samaritans, the 10 lost tribes that uh, have never fully been discovered. In you know, fulfillment of the plan of God, and had not been up to that time, uh, the, that scattering of Israel, and then and then turning over on the other side, and I thought, what a performance! And and also, um, in some ways, uh, quite dull as he looked at the iron plate, you know, for that whole time, symbolizing that God had turned his face face away. So that's, uh, that's, that's what we see here is a dramatic enactment of the judgment that is shortly coming to Israel. And again, the reminder of why, of why it is coming. That, that, take, that takes place in the first uh, two verses. And it, it's uh, the, the um, play that it's the play is addressing uh, this problem. I, um, I, I, one of the applications of, that many people get from the book of Ezekiel, I think is, uh, in that regard, is that since Ezekiel used drama in delivering the word of God, we, we should as well. Maybe you've heard this before. Have you heard this? I mean, this is the... I, uh, many years ago, our, we were given a sabbatical, and uh, we went on a sabbatical. And one of the things we tended to do on the sabbatical was worship in uh, different places, and we worshipped in this one church that had this dramatic performance to introduce the message. And it consisted of up on the platform uh, a poker table, and uh, and uh, the um, I don't remember. I don't remember anything about the message except for the, the dramatic performance and the name of the sermon was, Are You All In? And I thought, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I feel some of that when I read, uh, read the, this dramatic performance. But unlike that, this is the inspired infallible and arid word of God and Ezekiel's dramatic performances are not for show or not they're not for entertainment they are to communicate a very serious message to deal with a very serious problem and in verses 1 and 2 of our text tonight we see the content of that problem 
the word of God, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. Who have eyes to see but see not, who have ears to hear but hear not. For they are a rebellious house. The man is not morally sick. Man is a rebel. And I don't mean that in any positive sense of the word. In the worst sense of rebellion. And that is the essential problem of Judah that Ezekiel is dealing with. And not merely Judah. It's the essential problem of all mankind. The Bible begins with this idyllic creation. God created a perfect universe, a perfect world, and he created two perfect people to dwell in that world in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, and to enjoy his incredible creation uh, in his presence forever. But into that perfect world entered the rebellion that began in heaven, where Satan and his companions conspired together to overthrow the triune Godhead. There's, there's no, it, our, our rebellion begins with the cosmic rebellion in heaven and it falls to earth. The history of mankind since Genesis 3 has been a history of rebellion. The history of God's people throughout the Old Testament is a history of rebellion and so it is throughout the generations even at the founding of our country we we, um, we, we were founded by uh, a rebellion now I'm, I'm quick to say it was a rebellion that was supported by the instituted governments but nonetheless it was a rebellion and in our history we had a, a Rebellion instigated. Uh, uh, I, I think it was instigated. I'm a, I'm a Southern partisan. I just want you all to know that. But it was a rebellion, even though it was a sanctioned rebellion. But this rebellion is far deeper, and it's the source of all all rebellion in the world. It is a spiritual rebellion. Every and every sin, every sin. Is, a, is nothing less than cosmic rebellion against God and his established kingdom. So when Ezekiel hears these words, I'm sure his reactions is much like Isaiah's a century and a half earlier when he saw the Lord as Ezekiel sees the Lord high and exalted and lifted up. Where he cries out, woe is me, for I am undone. 
the condition is further diagnosed by the Lord by, with words that our Lord Jesus uses constantly in the gospel. So you, you should look at your cross-references in verse 2 and you see how many times that the Lord Jesus used very similar words for the leadership of the Jews. It's why he says, for example, in Matthew 13, verse 13, this is why he spoke in parables. Because uh, he because they had eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear. He's, he's directly referencing these words from, from Isaiah. And so it is always that problem. And, and some of us have, have dealt with in our lives, our own personal rebellion against God and the consequences that brings. Well, I always tell people, when you start in rebellion against God, you just need to understand one thing, that you will lose. Mm -hmm. You will lose. You will surrender. I don't care how deeply entrenched it is or how deeply intense it is, if you think you can go and wage war with God and win, then you are a fool. And that is the message that Ezekiel is called to deliver to his people in exile and to his people back in Jerusalem. This is the condition of Israel, of Judah. It is really, but it's really far more than that. It is a, it is a picture, a representation of the condition of every human being. We're born. Scripture is adamant in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament that we were, we were born in rebellion against God. So Ezekiel is called to give a preview performance. Does anybody have a King James Bible here? A couple of you do. Verse 3. The word, it's it's really an enjoyable uh, passage to read in the, in the King James Version. Because it, here it says baggage. In the King James it says stuff. <laughs> stuff. Get your stuff together. And put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a bag. And put it on your shoulder. And bring it out so everybody can see that they are leaving for exile. And this is the essence of the dramatic performance. This is what's going to happen. And, and just as Jeremiah adamantly uh, spoke to uh, those who were left behind in Jerusalem and, and uh, Judah and who were still trying to somehow um, hold out uh, in, in rebellion, uh, this dramatic uh, performance is to illustrate um, the futility of that. Get ready, prepare yourself for what is coming. 
bring out your stuff, your household goods, whatever, whatever you need, put them in a bag, and cover your face. We'll come to that later. What does that mean? And 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 note that that uh, this this judgment is going to befall everyone. And you're you're going to go in. You're you're either going to die at the hands of the Babylonians in Jerusalem, or you're going to go into exile, because this is God's uh, righteous punishment upon His people for their besetting sin of idolatry. Rebels do not escape; they are judged. Well, they may seem to escape. They may uh, seem for a while to have a wonderful, happy, glorious life. But ultimately, it all comes to ruin. And this is the great uh, issue in our culture right now as, as we see it. Um, there are those who are in absolute rebellion against God who are demanding that everyone submit to this same uh, view of the world and, and even to the extent of not only our government but our, our large corporations and all kinds of, uh, of uh, voices that are lending themselves to this rebellion including the institutional church including our very own very conservative denomination that we must somehow accommodate these things rather than experiencing and living out faithfulness to God in the midst of such a world. I check news feeds every day. It's a, it's a bad habit, I know, but uh, it'll cause depression. But the, I, check, I, check, I, uh, I checked this morning, the first thing I see in the news feed is this church, this uh, evangelical reformed church in China, uh, uh, where the leadership are, are arrested publicly and carried into prison because of uh, their willful disobedience to stop uh, propagating the gospel of all things online. Oh. They've developed a, a ways to get around the government censors to put the gospel out. And they were being, the leadership, the pastor and one of the elders were carried away into prison and that they're like so many others in that country you know, never not that I ever heard from them before but I have now hmm. and this is this there's so many faithful people that we don't hear about we do hear about some uh, like Ezekiel like Jeremiah Jeremiah didn't make it to exile he, he, he got drugged against his will to, to Egypt where according to tradition he was executed by his own people. But there are others that are going with him, including the faithful Daniel, his faithful companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Some of you know them better by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're there already. And God is saying through Ezekiel's dramatic uh, performance that others are going to jo join them. 
maybe he had, I, I, I think about why, why, did, why didn't God just tell him? Why did he have him act, act this performance out? I've thought about that. Uh, to such an extent, put your baggage as those who must go into exile, verse 4, uh, in in their sight, dig through the wall, bring your and bring your baggage through it. It's, it, it's much difficulty you're going to go there. Um, it's interesting to, to um, look at the pictures of the of the Assyrian captivity and and, and the uh, Babylonian captivity, uh, and you see these images in the in the in the pictures of the day that were put on walls. And literally, they put everything in a huge bag and put it on their shoulder and they marched them wholesale into exile. This is what it looked like. In the in the some of the Assyrian release, you look at those pictures, they, they literally it says put them in a net. They literally put a fish hook in their jaws oh. and they and they carried them wholesale into judgment. And in some of the pictures the people going into captivity have their idols under their arm mm. to show how foolish they were. Mm. The false prophets sounded right. The false prophets say, be a patriot, fight to the death. God will protect you in Jerusalem and in the, and in the temple. If you go into to the book of Jeremiah, you see this constant theme there. Make an alliance with Egypt. Egypt, Egypt is, your, is, is the one who will deliver you. Whereas the truth is, there's nothing. When God's judgment is falling, there is nothing but his gracious forgiveness that can deliver you. And so he did. He... he um, he, he acted out this play. The people say, what are you doing? And he explains it to them in verse 10. Thus says the Lord, the oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. And he's saying this as a sign they shall, go in, they shall go into exile and into captivity. And the princes among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder dust and shall go out. And they shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face that he may not see the land with his eyes. Of all the ways that I know the Bible is truly the word of God, is all of the internal prophecies that are literally fulfilled. Hmm. This is a great example of one of those. If you turn in your Bibles back to 2 Kings chapter 25, which has this history, we have an account of the last king who, of Israel, of Judah, who reigned in Jerusalem. verse 5, 2 Kings 25 verse 5 but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army was scattered from him then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah see he went there 
and they passed sentence on him. And they slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and bound him in chains, and took him to Babylon. The horror is prophesied and demonstrated, and then it was fulfilled. We mainly speak of fulfilled prophecy in regard to the Messiah, but, and we forget that the Messiah is a word that simply means anointed one or king. And this prince is promised that he will be eyes, the blindfold, what does it mean? The full horror of its meaning becomes plain in the reality of the judgment to come. And, here, and there's the language of spreading the net. He will spread his net over them. And they will be taken in a snare and they will be brought up to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans and he shall not see it. There it is. He shall not see it. Because he will be blinded. And he shall die there. Which he did. God's word will come to pass. No matter what those in rebellion think of. That should fill us not with horror. But fill us with confidence and joy. That should fill us with the confidence that the psalmist in Psalm 2 talks about. What is our posture before a hostile world, before a world that is conspiring together against the Lord and his anointed and his people? And the answer is we should not be in distress. Rather, we should be confident that God will bring us through the trials. Oh, it will be painful. It's hard to watch pictures of police brutality of taking people who simply uh, love the Lord and, and beat them down and haul them off into prison. That this is happening in any civilized nation in the world today is just shocking on one level, but should, should we be shocked? I think not, because this is the reaction of a rebellious world always to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What we must be sure is that our confidence is in the King, and not merely our, our opinions about matters or our, our thoughts about certain things, if our confidence is in Christ and his lordship, then all of these things that are so, seem so overwhelming to us at this time, we can be confident that God will bring us through, even in exile, even in the pain, a painful separation from those things that we love. God will, the good news is God preserves a remnant. It may not be a large remnant, as in, in the time of Isaiah, it'll be a tenth. Will you preserve a tenth? No, but I'll preserve a tenth of a tenth. There'll be some 
in the times of Elijah, are there, I'm the only one, Lord, left. I'm depressed. I'm, I'm running for my life from those who want to destroy my life. He says, no, I've kept for me 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. And that's the message here. I will let a few escape. There's that, that, there's that trilogy of judgment from the sword, hmm. from famine, from pestilence. I'll, I'll keep a few. And for what purpose? So that they can go and tell the world about the abominations and what it brought upon them. That they can go tell the world that this is what their idolatry brought them to. And that we can say with joy, the reason he does it is that they might know. That they might know. The Lord says that they might know that I am the Lord. And that's the reason. There's always a reason. It, it, is, a, it is a grim thing to sit by the, the, the uh, side of a, a suffering suffering saints as I did this afternoon um, who, who uh, received very grim news and uh, prayed for Carrie and the family but I, I in the midst of grim news and grim situations our heart can be transformed and we remember why Jesus went to the cross. It was for the joy that was set before him. He endured the agony and the pain and the suffering of the cross. Our confession talks about the fact that he sanctified the grave for us by going there first. Uh, for all who were yet to come by going there after the saints in fulfillment of his promises. And, and therefore, we do not need to be full of dread in that hour. But confidence, confidence in the face of what God has promised to be our God and to be with us mm -hmm. as his people. It should humble us. It should, should uh, sober us in the midst of a world that has gone nuts in rebellion. I mean, the rebellion that we're living through now is just beyond, it's off the chart rebellion. But God is not. God is, God is not surprised nor overtaken. He holds them in derision, in strong derision. We, not, we, we need not have an attitude of, of arrogance or smugness, but rather humility, that we are not in the midst of that judgment as well. And that's, that. What? how, how should we live in the light of this? We should live a life, I, I call it bold humility, hmm. with, without, without fear of what man is going to do to us. That we simply speak the truth in love. 
And God is faithful. He who began that work in us has promised that he will complete it uh, in the day of Christ, in the day, in the darkest day and hours of our life. He has promised to be with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very difficult book of, uh, which accounts, uh, re recounts uh, your judgment on Israel alone. But thank you that it's not hopeless for all who submit to your discipline, who submit to uh, what you're doing and bringing judgment. And when we get swept along in that judgment, we, we are grateful for your presence. Help us to know with confidence, with joy, your presence tonight. And for all who may be listening tonight, that you would fill us with a deeper understanding of your grace to undeserving sinners. And we pray for this and ask for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.